We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, a few miles away from me, Buffalo is buried under about six feet of snow, but I uh, am untouched Yikes. over here. So things things six actually feet? things are going great. No, I, I'm exaggerating. It wasn't actually <laughs> okay. six feet. It was like it was three feet though, which is bad. I don't actually understand snow. I mean, I would have believed you. I would have just believed you. It was it was like three feet. feet. You know, they moved the the Bills game to. Detroit today and everything. I'm sure you heard wow. about that or saw that. I did not. <laughs> oh yeah. Um yeah. yeah, for some reason there's an outdoor stadium in Buffalo <laughs> for football. It's a little It's an affront to God himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh we're recording this uh basically a little bit after the Knicks Suns game where the Suns defeated the Knicks 116 to 95 the starters or most of them didn't even play basically the entire fourth quarter and my main question is are you sure you still like julius randall absolutely <laughs> okay i am un- nine points in this game not very good he was dog shit i am unfazed yeah. however <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me explain why so what's what's the full i've got the box score here yeah nine points four for eleven. Nine points on four for eleven Six, six rebounds, rebounds, two assists, three turnovers. Zero Be- free throws. You know what's wonderful about the Julius Randle story uh, as it relates to me, Mike, is I feel like I can play this both ways. So if he was great tonight, I could have said, look at how motivated Julius Randle is. He really <laughs> wants to show out against James Jones, and he, he, you know, he wants to be in Phoenix. Instead, the opposite happened, and I feel like it could, it could just as easily be explained by uh, you know, oh, look at poor Julius Randle on the New York Knicks. Because the, the thing is, there are plenty of other scapegoats on this Knicks team. It's not It's not just about Julius Randle, mind you. Where mm-hmm. was R.J. Barrett tonight? Where has R.J. Barrett been this season? You know, Julius Randle, this could easily be interpreted as a cry for help as well. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't necessarily uh, take me out of the Julius Randle sweepstakes. No, I'm not going to go that far. He looks really bad. One thing I'll say <laughs> about Julius Randle, a lot of people were attacking him for his defense. The I want to just give one note on Thibodeau and the Knicks. That sort of pre-rotation thing where you're helping way off the corners if the screener is up high, that's a Thibodeau thing. You know, that's what won. It is, it's a 2008 Thibodeau thing, right? That's what won the Celtics their championship that when the rules changed, they just played that sort of zone defense where everyone was required to protect the rim at all times. Uh, and it did, it does make Randall look worse than he is in some ways. I think that his defense could be better, but like just sort of leaving your man in the corner and hanging out in the paint off the ball, leaving that wide open corner three, that's partially on Tom Thibodeau. I think they just rotate a little bit too much. Let's talk about the Suns in this game though, because they were just great. And it was nice because, you know, 
playback curse and all. They lost the previous game. We, we fell to 0-3 on <laughs> playback last Friday. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to everyone who joined again. Yeah. Uh, they lost the game against the Jazz and come in and they just washed the Knicks. And they, you know, the game was relatively close the entirety of the first half. The Suns did feel in control uh, that entire time. Uh, then the third quarter happened and Devin Booker was just amazing throughout that quarter. And the Suns really took control in the third. Like I said, they basically didn't even play. Devin Booker didn't play the entirety of the fourth quarter. Neither did basically Torrey Craig or DeAndre Ayton. Cameron Payne and uh, I guess who else was in there? Cameron Payne and Mikael Bridges played a little bit Mikhail in the Bridges, fourth quarter. And that Mikhail was Bridges played a little bit. Mikael Bridges is always going to log the most minutes out of any Sun, uh, like no matter what happens in the game. But that being said, it was still good to see a game where the Suns can win uh, in this fashion, so that Mikael Bridges finished with 33 minutes, which for a normal player is like a, a you know perfectly normal, reasonable amount of minutes. But for Mikael Bridges recently, who's been logging 42, 43 minutes in a lot of these <laughs> games, 33 looks pretty yeah. good. Uh, yeah. And Devin Booker as well, of course, I have to mention, uh, with 30 minutes tonight, I thought that was really, really important. I was happy to just see him get a little bit of rest. This is one of those like average buster blowouts because there are certain kinds of blowouts where you just like score 30 points in three quarters and then you get to sit and it helps your averages in this game Devin Booker 20 points but they just absolutely blew them out in the third quarter they made a ton of three pointers 17 for 39 as a team and no Suns scorer had more than 21 points in this game and the guy who had 21 points was Cameron Payne, who once again had another great game, 21 points, nine assists, only two turnovers, had two blocks in this game, and only one foul, which I think is huge for Cameron Payne, just being able to stay on the floor. And seven rebounds, the third Suns player in as many games to be on triple-double watch. And Cameron Payne was just great in this game, and I just wanted to spend a little time talking about him because... I just, it's almost hard to comprehend after last season that he comes into this season and plays as well as he has so far, in particular in a starting role. Last year, we mentioned it before, he was still good when he started, but struggled a little off the bench. This year, he was good off the bench. Chris Paul went out for an undetermined amount of time, and he comes in and he, I mean, he's like almost playing at an all-star level as a starter so far this season. Yeah, I, I don't have the updated stats uh, based on today, but at least I know before he was averaging 20 points and six assists like through his first four games after the Chris Paul injury. And that was with um, good shooting efficiency, like a good true shooting percentage, really good assist to turnover ratio. Uh, and then, you know, you add games like tonight, 21-7-9, two turnovers, uh, another 40% night uh, from the three-point line. He's killing it, man. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who averaged four points and two assists per game in the playoffs. Literally played himself out of the rotation. I know everyone knows this already, but just to kind of hammer it home, it's pretty weird that here we are uh, five months later and we're basically all universally back on the Cameron Payne train, uh, and it's all a credit to him. It's, it's all a matter of his own hard work and effort. Uh, and a little bit also, of course, opportunity from, you know, seizing the minutes that came when, when Chris Paul went down. The uh, conversation about him from the guys who talked to him preseason was all about the amount of film that he was watching and how he picked up on a lot of the mistakes that he was making last season and how he felt relatively confident coming in to this season and I think you can see that that work is paying off for him and for and for the Suns, of course, because he has been playing out of his mind in just even thinking about his three point shot last year. I think that was a big struggle for him in the previous season when the Suns, uh, you know, in the non 64 win season, he shot really well. I think he was over 40 percent from three. A couple Suns players were that year. Last year, he struggled from three, three right now as a starter. 20 points per game. I just looked it up with the most recent stats, including today's game on the NBA's website. 20 points per game. And from three, he's shooting 45% from three as a starter. He also has 
6.3 assists to 2.2 turnovers. And it's just insanely efficient in that time. And for the Suns to have Chris Paul go down, I think this was probably one of those nightmare scenarios that we talked about before the season. And he went down and Cameron Payne is just picking up all the slack. I mean, really, he's scoring a lot more than Chris Paul was, which helps the Suns a lot because while you're missing his scoring off the bench, you kind of need him to be uh, a, a lot yeah. as a starter, and he has been uh, in this season so far. Yeah, and, and in particular, Devin Booker needs him to be a lot as a pressure release valve in the offense as you know, just a secondary scorer because he's not sure. Unfortunately, sometimes he can, but is not always sure if he can count on Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton to be that second guy, at least not night to night. Of course, in some games, those two guys have stepped up, but mostly it's been Cam. And to your point... Chris Paul, his season high this year is 16 points in the <laughs> 10 games he played or whatever. Campaign, in the six games that he started since the Chris Paul injury, he scored above 16 points five times. He scored above 20 points four times. Tonight was the fourth. So he is blowing Chris Paul's scoring records, if you will, his, his season scoring records, uh, out of the water right now. And uh, yeah, absolutely, it's it's super needed for the Suns offense really impressive for him to just play as well as he has been uh you know in that time he's basically one of the best point guards in the NBA and that's you know I don't know how sustainable it is uh for him to be that good but it's happening right now and I'm looking forward to watching him basically every game he's chaotic he's chaotic good (laughs) if we had to figure out what he is uh, because offensively he's kind of chaotic, defensively he's kind of chaotic, but doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and that's just what the Suns kind of need. It is kind of amazing in and out of the Suns lineup. Different players play every night, even in this game. Jock Landale didn't play a single minute. Uh, looked dressed, looked fine. I didn't see anything on the injury report. Bismack Biombo comes in and plays, and the Suns just still get a ton of assists, Yeah, low turnovers, and score a ton of points, and they do it time and time again. You know, teams are going to beat them. I thought that was weird, As they're too, injured. By know, the way, yeah. The, the jock, yeah, Jock Landell not playing, yeah. The Jock decision. You know, of course, like certain times a year, the first thing your mind goes to is, oh, trade candidate, but it's too early. Like, the, the Suns literally cannot trade Jock Landell. They've only had him for however many days. It's less than 90. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just about getting Bismack a look. Um but watching Bismack is like becoming one of the one of life's finest pleasures for me <laughs> at this point, at least watching him on defense. Like I thought he yeah. was awesome tonight. So his room protection again was basically flawless. So I like I have no arguments against that particular substitution tonight. Uh, I just No, he was great. Yeah. I just thought it was it was interesting, right? Like they still haven't really settled. We got Ish Wainwright minutes as well. They mm-hmm. still haven't really settled on a solid five man second unit like a consistent five-man second unit, which is, mm-hmm. you know, realistically is the way to play around with things at this point in the year. But that's where we are. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, Biombo earns minutes every time he plays too. So it's not something that I would get. Jock Landale's been good. I mean, he, he has been good. And I think he was particularly good against the Warriors, maybe struggled a little bit against the Jazz. But like Biombo deserves minutes. He's a player that deserves minutes in the NBA. And he fills his role really well with the Suns. So it was actually really nice to see him for a stretch of games. It reminded me of that stretch he played last season where he just sort of came out of nowhere and was amazing for a good 30, 40 games to close the season. And Ish, now he's back tonight. Ish Wainwright, by the way, just for his part, played 20 minutes tonight. Only mm-hmm. was one for eight, one for six from the three-point Letting line. Letting it fly, yeah. <laughs> which I like. I yeah, like. You got to shoot. He's Jay Crowder, basically. Yep. We've always said with Ish, the development plan, you know, sit in that corner, become PJ Tucker. Uh, And he he mostly shoots in the corner, but he will even sometimes shoot from above the break. He's better in the corner. Uh, Anyway, my point is, did not shoot the ball well tonight, only had three points. Still finished as a team high plus 17, for what it's worth. So shout out Ish Wainwright. (laughs) He was, he really was team high plus 17. He was team high plus 17. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Julius Randle for a few plays in a row was like, oh, I'm going to go at this guy. And then just passed out of it because he tried to move 
Ish Wainwright and you can't. There was someone <laughs> no, nobody can. There was someone else. I think it was Jericho Sims who's like the backup center on the Knicks, who's yeah. probably two hundred fifty pounds. I'm not going to look it up right now, but just tried to move him and could not move him. And it's <laughs> like remarkable to watch it. Like if if Ish provides nothing else on a basketball court in a particular night, if he shoots like crap. Uh, you know, at least you know that he will be the immovable object and you will be yeah. entertained by it uh, for a number of possessions on defense. Uh, let's talk about DeAndre Ayton as well because Ayton had, I think, some interesting games today. I think if you look at the box score, 13 points, 11 rebounds, nothing to really get overly excited about box score-wise, but four offensive rebounds is huge. I think that's the kind of thing that you need uh, from DeAndre Ayton, and it's nice to see him battling on the offensive boards. And I think when you look at the assist numbers he had in the last two games, which he had a career high, I think eight assists in the game against the Jazz and the loss against the Jazz, and then four assists in this game. So those assists, he gets quite a few from offensive rebounds, catches it on the offensive board, passes it out to a shooter, which is technically, by the way, in years past, the most efficient shot in the NBA for whatever reason. Threes taken off of offensive rebounds. It's one of the most efficient things you can do. Uh, so those assists come from that. You know, somebody asked in the Discord about what this is coming from. Have the Suns changed anything for DeAndre and to be getting more assists? And I think there is a little bit that is a change, but I think the offensive rebounds uh, is part of it. What do you think is the difference for Aiton in these two games to get more assists? No, I, it's exactly what you were saying. It's more offensive rebounds. And I, I, I mean, it's not entirely that um, because it's a combination of things, right? So partially offensive yeah, rebounds. Yeah, I agree. Partially offensive rebounds. Partially like typical flow of the offense stuff, but not yeah. quite. I'm, I have to watch my words here because, as, as is typical with talking about DeAndre Aiden. There's a certain lack of confidence in his own offensive game that I think I have noticed as of late, which has is not always a negative thing because I think he's... He's passing out of shots. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Like, you let's, can say that. Let's yeah. not dance around the subject. <laughs> he, yeah. You know, there are certain possessions where Aiton is like kind of turning that energy that otherwise could be used towards him taking his own shot um into yeah passing out of shots and 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 just trying to find guys more but you know the reason i'm not complaining about it is because he turned those into assists points are points um and uh and and yeah essentially that i mean there's you know. offensive rebounds there's him getting the ball at the rim and there's this other defenders so he's passing out to shooters right those are often how he gets his assists he's and two other things i want to mention is when devin book is trapped and the suns are playing four on three uh He's catching it in the middle of the floor, making a few passes to uh, shooters in those scenarios. That's probably over the last two games, two or three of his assists, right? It's not a ton of them, but not, there has been a few. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing I want to give him credit for, because this is something I've killed him for in the past, he's had a few nice passes to cutters, Torrey Craig in particular. And I think, you know, when he's in the post and he posts up, and they're quick posts, right? They're not him dribbling, pounding it for 10 seconds at a time. They're just quick post-ups and then a cut. He's had a few nice bounce passes to cutters. And I think those in particular, those passes to cutters are where he can make the biggest difference because if they're going to try to close out on him or if everyone's going to turn and look at him, then guys like Torrey Craig and Mikhail Bridges can cut off of those post-ups and those are not difficult passes to make. He can make the bounce pass. He can pass it over guys. I think the ones from the outside he's still going to struggle with, but the ones where he's posting up relatively close to the rim and just sort of bouncing it to the cutter right at the rim, mm -hmm. I think he can make those passes. And I think those in particular are kind of new for him. And I'd like to see more of it. And I just want to point out too, in those games, like they're not feeding him in the corner, you know, everyone leaving that side of the court. And then he's finding guys like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. That right? will never, assist, that is, that's never going to happen. <laughs> It's, you know. Yeah, but I think it's important to know, like the assists are coming out of just like you said, regular flow of the Suns' offense, 
and his familiarity with where guys are going to be and, you know, regular pick and rolls or, or whatever it comes out of. But even it's if not it's feeding him. Right. But even if it seems like, you know, we talk about standard flow of the offense and whatever, you know, not to normalize it too much, because if it means that he's sitting in that spot uh, in the middle of the floor and is seeing those correct angles, as you were saying, particularly the cutters, uh, you know, it's it's still a good thing. It deserves to be praised. I have a question for you philosophically about the offensive rebound thing. Do you do you like the fact that he's passing out of offensive rebounds to shooters like consistently to reset the shot clock? Or would you rather, and I ask this because this is something I've seen other people argue about, yeah, yeah. would you rather just see him go straight up and, and try and assert himself and take that as an opportunity to create his own offense? You know, um, I just don't think he's going to do that, I think. You know, I I guess I'm sort of, I've resigned myself into being okay with him passing out to shooters. I don't mind it. I don't mind the passes out to shooters sometimes, you know. I think that's often the right play to make. I don't think it's always a bad thing for him to not put it back up. Um, but I just don't, I guess I just don't have a lot of faith in him to go right back up with it. You just haven't seen a lot of from that. Yeah. You know, even when he's great, you know, that's just not really been part of his game. I guess, I, like, I've thought about it too, and I think a big thing is if you're going to go up for it, you need to find a way to turn that. Ultimately, you're trying to optimize it as a possession, right? How can we make it the most efficient? Which means after you bring the ball down, or, or ideally you're not bringing the ball down, but when you after you get a rebound, you know that there are defenders in the vicinity. You need to be in a position where you're um, pushing yourself through contact and embracing contact as much as possible. If you do the thing that Aiton often does where you bring the ball down and you stop to think... And then right. you take your pivot foot and you turn around and fade away for a jump shot. That's the worst possible way that you could try to assert your offense right. in, that, in exactly. that situation. And so I think, yeah, what we're I think what we're basically agreeing on is if Aiton's going to turn around for a jump shot after he gets the offensive rebound, of course, we would rather have him just pass out and, <laughs> and get just about any other shot besides that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if he's going well, you know, to immediately point, go up with it and, you know, dunk it or it doesn't even have to be a dunk, just a hard finish through contact. Or that's just great. even like a putback, like all right. in one jump. Right. That's great. I think on a grander point, there are players who thrive in chaos. Steph Curry is like one of the best examples. Clay Thompson, when he was good. Josh Jackson. That, that whole Warriors, <laughs> that whole Warriors team to some extent. Chris Paul Not is Josh another Jackson. player that uh, Chris Paul is another player that thrives in chaos, and you just make these quick decisions based on entirely on feel. You know, Devin Booker has times where he's good at it, has times where he's bad at it. DeAndre Ayton's not—he's not really a player that thrives in chaos, and sometimes on offensive rebounds, it gets a little chaotic under there. And for him to just get rid of the ball, it's not always a bad scenario for for the Suns because then they can reset, go back into what they're good at, which is being this sort of technical machine that grinds away. And, you know, it's just from a chaotic standpoint, it's kind of okay uh, for me. And you, you can sort of read that however you want. If that's an indictment on him, that's fine if you want to think of it as that. But, you know, for the Suns, I think it's fine as long as they maintain possession of the ball. Yeah. Because I'm, usually they, they are able to create a good shot out at, of that. At the end of the day, more possessions are good. And you should be happy if you have good offensive rebounders on your basketball team. Look at the Chicago Bulls, uh, not the current Chicago Bulls, the the 90 Chicago Bulls, who three-peated on a guy who absolutely could not create his own offense after a putback. But they sure were happy to have him on the floor creating as many extra offensive rebounds as possible and just passing it back out to to their two-star players, right? And, so yeah. there's Dennis Rodman, of course, I'm talking about in case anyone hasn't yeah. caught it by now. <laughs> so, you know, there are plenty of cases in NBA history. Just to say that I'm not sure there's any particular right answer to that question, um, but I wanted to bring it up because I know people, of course, people are always going to get on DA about being more confident, being more aggressive. Yeah. And uh, look, guys, I don't know. It's year five. We'll see. I think, too, for Aiton, you know, I, I mentioned that I thought he had a really good game in this game against the Knicks in the th first three quarters that he did play. And even people were like, I don't think so. His first half was bad. And I actually I understand what they meant. I think there was some level of uh, lack of focus in certain areas of his game in the first half. But like when the when the focus on the boards is there, because I think he had eight rebounds in the first half of this game. 
when the focus on the rebounds is there for DeAndre and it just everything kind of works pretty well when he's on the floor you know the Knicks still were in it in that first half and then I think he came out in the second half and still played relatively well look I'll say this I think that even when Aiton has been good for this season, it's like five, six minute stretches. We still haven't seen like extended periods of time where he's been really great. And we're still waiting on that. I think as fans and people who analyze the game, we still want that out of him. So I think it's fair if you think that that wasn't a great game for him. But I think there were stretches of the game where I think he was pretty good. And I think that it's it's slowly but surely getting a little bit better for him. And if he continues to be really good at the little things, I think the Suns will benefit from that more than anything else. Uh, anyone else you want to talk about from, from that game in particular? The Knicks game? Yeah. Um, hmm. Let me go down Torrey the list Craig, real quick. Another good game. Torrey you know, Craig, like, Torrey Craig keeps being pretty good. It. Yep. Mikhail Bridges Still had a very... Every shot. Mikhail Bridges had a very Mikhail Bridges game. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think there was anything to cover there. Uh, He's really taunting the away. I think we can say that. He's really taunting the away bench every time there's somebody from Villanova on it. When he hits a three in front of it. Have, you know, people thought he was taunting Clay, which it, maybe he was. He was, in taunting, Warriors game. he was taunting Ty Jerome. I think it was Ty Jerome. But like, you know he what? He has former teammates, you know, Villanova guys. He likes to fuck with them. In that case, and maybe it'll come back to bite us. I don't know. I was just as happy to have people think that he was taunting Clay, because <laughs> because in my in my mind the feelings I didn't correct anyone I didn't correct anyone either. That's what I'm saying. In my it would have just been that meme of that guy standing in the corner of the party where it's like they don't know he's taunting Ty Jerome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <know>? pretty much. <laughs> that would have been us. Yeah, I mean, Clay deserves it. <laughs> you know, in my mind it was like, well, Clay deserves to be taunted, regardless if he if he was the actual recipient or not. I don't care. I'm just gonna pretend, <laughs> pretend that that was done in the direction uh, of Clay Thompson, uh, and it was a fun time. How about Dame? Have we talked about Damian Lee on the main feed? Uh, I'm not or, sure. Or, yeah. Did we talk about him on the Patreon the other day? But I'm not sure we talked about him on the main feed. He's been good. He's been unbelievable, and he's shooting 100 percent from three in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's not an actual except for the except for the game winning attempt where he tr- or the game tying attempt where he tried to get fouled inexplicably um, oh that's that's a good yeah. point yeah that's not an actual stat that i looked up uh, in case people are wondering <laughs> but it feels like he's shooting a hundred percent for the fourth quarter in fact i can look it up right now i'm sure yeah it's i was just high. gonna do it I'll, I'll let you do it i think the thing about damian lee i'll just say is that he just plays really smart basketball. He's kind of an irritant a little bit, which I didn't really anticipate. Like, he'll flop on guys and get in their heads a little bit. You know, he'll do a little bit of taunting. He He's also the guy that will, you know, um, bring the, everyone together to talk in the middle of the court, the sort of coach on the floor kind of guy at times. But mainly for him, what's made him great is that he's hitting a ton of threes. And if he ke- keeps hitting a ton of threes, I think that's just kind of going to make him good because he's kind of good at everything else. The one, if I'm going to be a little bit nitpicky with him, he gets so bad at the rim in his ability to play defense at the rim. He's either going to foul or just let you shoot a layup. Okay. On the perimeter, he's pretty good. Okay, but at okay, the rim, okay. he just turns I into agree. a terrible defender. I agree with you, but listen to this. In the fourth okay. quarter this year, Damian okay. Lee is shooting 18 for 28, which is 64% from three. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Yeah. He's shooting yeah, 64% from three. I, Play this man the in the fourth quarter of every yeah. game from now on. And he is playing in the fourth quarter. How many minutes do you have his whole stats up for the fourth quarter? 129 minutes in 16 games in the fourth, yeah, in I, just the fourth quarter. That's a lot of fourth yeah. quarter minutes. Yeah, it's a significant amount. And I think Monty had it right. I was trying to make the case recently just because of how good he was playing to start Damian Lee over Torrey Craig, but no, Monty's doing it right, right? Start Torrey Craig, put a big guy on their big wings, and then in the fourth quarter, blitz him with shooting as much as you possibly can with Damian Lee on the floor, and that's been working really well. And I think, uh, you know, Damian Lee, it's one of those moves where it's like, it seemed like nothing at the time. You know, we're like, ah, Damian Lee, he's pretty, he'll eat some minutes, I think we said. Right, he'll eat some minutes in the regular season, maybe not. I'd be surprised if he didn't play a role in the postseason for the Suns at this at the rate that he's playing so far. And maybe it'll fall off a cliff at some point. You know, it's it's early, it's early. Although I did see a tweet from Wobe. Wob, how do you say his name? Uh, Wobe. <laughs> Is it Wobe? I don't know. He's 
His name's Rob. Yeah, it's, so. <laughs> I don't care. It's I say Wobe, but who knows? Well, he said something like, it's almost a fourth of the season is over and the Jazz are still good. And I'm like, I had to do a double take at thinking of almost a fourth of the season is over. Uh, yeah, but we're getting pretty close to uh, <laughs> that specific number. Um, but Damian Lee's still playing really well. And uh, the Suns kind of nailed the Damian Lee signing. They nailed, I think, the Jock Landale trade as well. And those guys are playing well above Okogi has been okay. Okogi hit a three today. That's huge news. His his vibes per 36 are really good. <laughs> Damien Lee or Josh Okogi or both? I, I mean, all of them, but Josh Okogi, I will say, like Damien Lee is putting up good actual basketball stats. Same with Jock Landale. Josh Okogi, the best I can give him right now is vibes. The vibes are good. And the the defensive highlights are legitimately awesome. But uh, But yeah. The stats aren't there yet for Josh Okogi. That's that's okay. I still enjoy watching Josh Okogi play basketball for the most part. To your point, he did make a sidestep, step back three. The, the most difficult three he's taken for the Sun so far was the first three he made. Yeah, and I am not anticipating many more like that <laughs> to go in for Josh Okogi, but we'll I see. Wanna, I want to talk about the trade targets that the Suns have been linked to by Shams and Stein and whoever else was in on, you know, Amico jumping in there at the end, trying to reiterate reports. Um, but I just want to quickly mention the Suns also lost to the Jazz. And I, I'll just say this. I personally just kept waiting for the Jazz to start losing, and they just keep winning. Are, are they just good? I mean... They're good. They're just good, right? They like, And they're kind of fun to watch. I actually, you know, even now though they were beating the Suns, <laughs> no, <laughs> it was I've... kind of fun. I It's hard to... You know, it's just a bunch of guys who play solid basketball and they move the ball well. They shoot really well. You know, Laurie Markkinen make made like an unbelievable shot against the Suns and he makes pretty difficult looking shots pretty regularly. And uh, and yeah, they're they're just going to keep winning. I mean, we thought they were going to be terrible, but at this point I've seen them potentially linked to John Collins. Yeah. Like maybe they'll make a trade to get even better this year. Laurie Markkinen truly has been incredible in every sense of the word. I mean, he's... He's the best player on a top team in the Western Conference. Yes. Now, will they remain a top, top team in the Western Conference? I'm not sure. I'm still expecting some regression, of course. But, yeah, his shot-making, I think, was on display for every single Suns fan the other night who maybe didn't believe in what he was doing this season. Oh, you know, it's real. (laughs) It's absolutely real what he's capable of doing on the offensive end. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see them in a playoff setting with Laurie Markkinen as number one, <laughs> you know, yeah. if they, assuming that they don't make a trade to bring in someone better. You know, he's we're, we're going to see if he six, can sustain it. But for now, it looks he's great. He's a six foot 11, small forward, power forward center. Like he, he really is that. And he can create his own shot at that size. And that becomes really valuable in the playoffs if you have the right kind of shot and the confidence to take it, which he appears to have. Big shot creators are the most valuable thing in the playoffs, and they have one of those. And, you know, I remember Zach Lowe mentioning before the season, you know, Laurie Markkinen could probably be had with a first-round pick. And, you know, if that was true and nobody did it, I bet they're all regretting it right now because he would be great, basically. I mean, he'd be amazing on the Suns right now. Uh, but basically, every team could probably use a guy like him. Let the lesson be learned. It's okay to be a little bold sometimes. <laughs> to to have visions, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Just go into the <laughs> just go into the trade candidates. I don't have to give my spiel. It's I want to talk. Let's try and like collectively rank the guys that have been associated with the Suns because. This is all this week, and you and I, you know, we talked about it at certain points of the playback, but, you know, a lot more people listen to this, so we should really get into what these guys, uh, who these guys are and how we feel about them. I think Shams Sharania probably had the most detailed version of the report. Mark Stein, this morning, we're recording on Sunday once again, uh, also posted a report regarding the Suns, but no new names in there. Although he did have a Gambo quote about John Collins, but let's just quickly, I'll just mention all the names that have been associated with the Suns. Let's go through each one individually. We'll talk about how likely each one is and also how we feel about each one of those players so far. But Kyle Kuzma, Harrison Barnes, Eric Gordon, 
Kenyon Martin Jr., John Collins, and this one I just threw in for you, Sam. Julius Randle, he has not actually been linked to the Suns yet. Supposedly, the Knicks are interested in Jay Crowder. And then there was a report today that he's still kind of available, Julius Randle. Is that the, Amico, is that the Amico report, or did someone legitimate say that? Uh, the one I sent to you this morning. Let me access it right now. Uh, I think it was... Amico, let me double check. Well, uh, the the interesting thing about the report there by goes the way, that. No, <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about the report was that his, uh, like his value as a trade candidate has gone up as it relates to what the Knicks could get for him, and uh, that was before <laughs> that, that was before this Suns game. So I imagine <laughs> it's like the stock market; see. it goes up and down with every game. Yeah, his his value has gone down again. <laughs> Sean. Devaney? Is oh. that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. D-E-V-E-N-E-Y? Yeah. yeah, sure. You know him. Yeah. He's not... I wouldn't say he's... He's not Shams. He's not Woj or anything, but he's not. He's He seems to be attempting to be legit. Attempting to be legit. Buy stock now. We we should start a stock exchange where we trade shares of... Reporters? Trade shares of NBA reporters, you know, who want to ascend and, to the spotlight. I, I mean, if we actually kept track of how many of their reports ended up being accurate or inaccurate, that would be kind of fascinating uh, to do. Uh, but let's talk about each one of them. I think we'll start. Let's start with Kyle Kuzma. I think he's the one that has gotten the most traction with Suns fans. And I think for a pretty good reason. Now, actually, let me just quickly say. It seems like the Kings are not going to trade Harrison Barnes. And they're pretty good right now. Supposedly, Mike Brown really likes him as a veteran presence on their team, and they're going to try to remain good throughout the season. So although I like him a lot as a trade target, I think you and I could probably not really talk about him unless you have something specific you want to say about Barnes. I'm it still, seems like they're not going to trade him. What's Sacramento's record right now? They're 8-6. They're six. pretty close to 500, right? Yeah. Yeah, or, I'm, yeah, I'm still skeptical. They're 26th in defensive rating. Look, I'm still skeptical. I've heard the same reports that they like Harrison Barnes, they want to keep him as a veteran. They think they're good. Yada yada yada. I'd give it ten more games <laughs> on the Sacramento Kings. That's all I'm going to say on that. I like it. Yeah, but okay. Uh, so other we'll than say that, maybe maybe we'll talk about him ten games from now again. Yeah, sure. We'll see if Jay Crowd is still on the team at that at that point. Um, and then we'll talk about the other guys individually. But Kyle Kuzma, I think maybe is the most in, is that the most interesting trade candidate out of these guys for you? Yes, I think he is for me as well. What do you like about him? Man, what do I like about Kyle Kuzma? I mean, he's kind of a veteran at this point, which feels He's a weird, champion. Which feels weird <laughs> to say. Is that weird to say, too? But he's, he's a champion. Yeah, he's a champion in the prime of his career um, who doesn't have, like, too startling of an injury history, maybe compared to, like, you know, some other guys who are coming up uh, and, you know, is just a bucket getter. <laughs> which is something that yeah. the Suns need at this point. You know, I was actually surprised to see, by the way, because I was so sure that Kyle Kuzma, uh, I knew he was averaging around 18 points per game. And before yeah. I looked this up, I was so sure. I was like, that has to be a career high. It's actually not a career high because I forget yeah. that in his second season, back when the Lakers sucked, uh, he yeah. averaged 18.7. When he was untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> back when he was untouchable. With that being said, yeah. Now he is certainly not untouchable. He is averaging 18.5, so the second best scoring season of his career, alongside 8.1 rebounds and 3.3 assists per game. Um, there are absolutely flaws in Kyle Kuzma's game. We can get into yeah. those. But I think from a talent standpoint, he may be the most talented player on this list at this point, which is uh, uh, shows how far he's come. The thing that I'll talk about his offense in a second, but the thing that I think makes him the most intriguing to me outside of Harrison Barnes, who I just think is would be the best fit out of these guys. The thing that makes him the most intriguing for me is out of the guys that we mentioned, Kuzma, let's just strike Barnes. So Kuzma, Gordon, KJ, Collins, and Randall. He's the most uh, two-way of those guys in that I think he could actually be really good on defense for the Suns. I think he would be a successful defender for the Suns. I think he would work really well within the Sun system. I think he could take some of the bigger guys that Mikael Bridges might struggle to handle. I'm not saying he's going to be a great defender, but I don't think he would be harmful to you defensively 
in the way that John Collins or Julius Randle probably would be. On the other side of that, offensively, he's not he's having a bad shooting year. Um, you know, and he's done that before. In fact, it's actually weird if you look at his two 18 and a half-ish points seasons that he's had. They're like identical in that 30% from three is what he shot in 18-19, that season yeah. you referenced, and that's also what he's shooting so far this season his shooting his effective field goal percentage in 1819 was 51.5 it's 51.4 this season um but he's gotten really great at rebounding in a development that i don't think i ever anticipated he's averaging over eight rebounds per game this season and what i think is kind of interesting about him he'll attack the rim he's got pretty good ball handling he's not really a great passer but I think if you start to put him in the sun system a lot of the things that he struggled with struggles with including shooting I think will get a little bit better because the suns are so good at getting guys open and finding guys in the position where they're most effective so I think those things would get better but like his ability to attack the rim get to the free throw line and also attack the boards brings a different look than Cameron Johnson when Cameron Johnson is healthy now, personally, I think if you trade for Kyle Kuzma, you have to find a way to convince him to be okay with coming off the bench and being like the best player off the bench for the Suns once Cameron Johnson is healthy. Because I don't think he's as good of a fit with the starters as Cameron Johnson would be. But I, I just think you know it just kind of works if you can figure that out for him. Yeah, it's gonna be. But tough, I also think he's probably the Mike. most he's probably the most uh, expensive <laughs> of these guys when it comes to trading, right? Yes, for sure. He's he's one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, uh, the bench thing is going to be tough. And if we have to have this conversation about each and every one of these guys, it's going to limit the types of options, at least at the forward position that the Suns can really lock themselves into because yeah, it's, I mean, how many of these guys are arguably better than Cam Johnson, or at least like are kind of really, really, really on the level of Cam Johnson, you know, maybe not necessarily the most optimized with the Suns starters, but Kyle Kuzma is a pretty damn talented basketball player. And at this stage in his career, <clears throat> I don't know, excuse me, I don't know like his level of interest in coming off the bench, even if it's for a contender, that's going to be uh, an issue. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I, I wouldn't want to, I'm, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one uh, just because the Suns have been so good. And maybe that matters to somebody like Kyle Kuzma in comparison to uh, playing on the Wizards. Is he is he a free agent after this year? I think he's got I one. Guess, I thought he had one left. He's got he a play. He's got a player option for thirteen, which he's definitely declining. Yeah, so maybe that would be an issue, right? <laughs> Just based on contract yeah. situation uh, alone, his contract was absurdly good. I think when they signed it, that's really good contract for that kind of player. The Suns would, you know, in order to get Kyle Kuzma, his salary is more than Jay Crowder. They'd have to figure out how to include somebody else or do some sort of three-team trade to try to get him and probably include a pick, um, maybe one that's further in the future than this current offseason uh, for uh, the Suns. And I think maybe that makes him slightly less likely. I do believe the Suns are interested in him just based on the fact that Gambo refused to rule it out, and it's been reported by Shams Rainey. I think that's enough. Could always bench um, Chris Paul yeah. if we're ready for that conversation. <laughs> You well, could if you always, do that. You're playing campaign. No, <laughs> no. Campaign's been really good, man. You could, you could. Uh, no, I'm saying go point book. Uh, <laughs> go point book with the three wings. The three seven in the playoffs. Foot, that's a fascinating. The three one, right? seven foot wingspans with uh, with Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Kyle Kuzma around point book. Aiton in the middle, <laughs> and then I guess Chris Paul and, <laughs> and campaign coming off the bench to run the run the offense. I wonder if Kuzma could play. That would be bizarre. Center. He can. Too. he can, he yeah. can, he can, because he can rebound like yes. a center. No, he can play small ball five. That's that's a great point too. All right, next guy. We like Kuzma right now. I'd say he's ranked number one on this list. Uh, Eric Gordon, and we can talk both about Eric Gordon and Kenyon Martin Jr. as potential candidates for. Uh, the Suns because they're both on the Rockets and and if you believe some of the rumors that were out there the Suns were potentially already talking about a trade with the Rockets and the Bucks in order to send Jay Crowder to the Bucks and potentially both of these guys to the Suns um, I'll just say it now I mentioned it 
on a different podcast too, but if you hear about a trade with the Suns because the Suns are so tight-lipped, it probably means it's already dead and they're working on something else. So, you know, take that uh, how you will. Do we have to have the Eric Gordon conversation? <laughs> We've had it before. What? 20, 30 times now at this point. I don't think we need to have the Eric Gordon conversation about who he is as a player. I think everyone knows who Eric Gordon is as a player. Um, like he would help the Suns, you know, I don't really know what else to say. I, I, I guess it's like maybe the fact that we have to have this whole Cam Johnson. Well, if like if Cam Johnson has to start when he comes back, maybe it is just easier to go out and get another guard, in which case I can see why Eric Gordon um, is so is so tantalizing to the Suns front office. That would be that would be it. That would be my only analysis on Eric Gordon. Yeah, I mean he makes sense. I uh, I think that his ability to play two or three is probably something the Suns like, in that they love Landry Shamit, so <laughs> they're not taking Landry Shamit's minutes, but also he could potentially play minutes with both Chris Paul and Devin Booker at least in the regular season. I think there are reasons to be slightly worried about that, depending on the matchup as far as the playoffs go. When it comes to Eric Gordon, and I think the reason that Kenyon Martin Jr. comes up as another player here is for the Suns to make a trade to send out enough salary to get Eric Gordon, they would have to trade two players, and they probably would want two players back. So you're looking at Eric Gordon, you're looking at the guys at the bottom of their uh, salary, which for them is, you know, you could say Ty Ty Washington, you could say Garrison Matthews, you could say Kenyon Martin Jr. Those are the only real players that you're talking about. You know, Ty Ty Washington, I think he's a rookie who's playing in the G League. You know, maybe Josh Christopher, I guess you could say. Um, but the Suns would want probably another one of those guys sending two, getting two back uh, when it comes to that. And Kenyon Martin Jr. has been in multiple reports for the Suns. And I think you could see why. Um, he's a strong wing that's six six six, uh, plays with his head down towards the rim. Not a great shooter, but a pretty good defender. And I think for the Suns system, they would probably he would probably benefit from playing in a team like the Suns. Yeah, Kenyon Martin Jr. is is interesting because he's by far the least talented player on this entire list, to be honest. Um, yeah, but that's okay because a because he's 22 years old and b because he's on that kind of like small rookie contract the type of contract that you just need to take uh uh when you're being a little bit flexible in terms of matching salaries uh so yeah he's a totally James Jones applicable plug and play wing uh who as you said can put his head down and drive uh is not like the most physically gifted but can definitely defend can definitely defend multiple positions as well so yeah i mean he's he fits into any system he's copy and paste wing guy that would make yeah. sense it would be fine 22 years old too i think would be the youngest player on the suns and yeah i think maybe younger be... than dwayne washington i don't even know how how old dwayne washington is yeah they're probably pretty close i would guess in age and i think it would be nice it would just be kind of fun to have a young guy that has like upside on the Suns, you know, he and is younger than Dwayne by a, a handful of months. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if the Suns could pull that off. I think if you're the Rockets, you probably want to hold on to Kenyon Martin Jr. and try to throw somebody else in there instead of him. Uh, if you can figure out a way to do that, since there are they are a young team, they probably want to hold on to young guys and see what they have with them. Um, you mentioned. Kenyon Martin Jr. is the the worst player <laughs> on this list. Sorry to say it like that, but he is like a throw-in, right? He's he would be like, we want that guy too. You know, yeah. that's how the Suns would look at it. We're getting Gordon, but we also want 100%. Kenyon Martin Jr. There's no trade for uh, Jay Crowder where they just get Kenyon Martin Jr. Ken, Kenyon Martin's like, you look at him and you're like, oh, cool. We also got a guy who can play 10 or 15 minutes in our rotation and not fuck up. That is, I don't want to, you know, understate the importance of that. That's a very important thing to have. But as a, the centerpiece of a trade for Jay Crowder, that would be really underwhelming, you know? So it's it's not that he's bad by any means. Now, John Collins is another player that I think we could pretty confidently say that the Suns are not interested in. It was part of the ori original Shams report that the Suns like him as a player but don't like his salary, although he worded it worse than I just did. Uh, but then Gambo came out afterwards and said there's no truth that the to the report that the Suns are interested in John Collins are not interested at all. 
Um, are you interested in John Collins at all? I think you'd have to send out more, probably maybe multiple picks. I'm not sure what the Hawks would actually want this one for is somebody tough. like Collins. This one is tough in the wake of the Laurie Markkinen trade because John Collins is the other guy who's been on the trade block for like five years straight, just like Laurie was. And I didn't believe in Laurie. And now he's a star. And who knows? Who's like who's to say that John Collins isn't the next guy who just needs a change of scenery and he's gonna You're saying Trey's the problem? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying Trey's the problem. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm thinking weirdly and possibly incorrectly about John Collins now, just in a way that I didn't think about him before. Like I'm I'm kind of lending him this credibility that I didn't if you had asked me this question six months or, or twelve months ago. Uh, on the other hand, I look at John Collins, the basketball player, and I don't see a particularly great fit with just who the Suns are as a basketball yeah. team. He's not a spacer. He's just not. He's not a spacer and a bad defender. Yeah, and and I think you need to be, at the very least, very good at one of those two things in order to fit on this team in a playoff setting. Otherwise, I'm not sure you're going to be viable as like one of the seven best players who, who you know are going to log a lot of minutes in a playoff series against really good teams. So that's the difficult thing about John Collins for me. He needs to take a big leap defensively that we've never seen, uh, or at the very least be like a 36% three-point shooter who's taken five of them a game, and we've never yeah. seen that either. So it's just tough. I, I'm i kind of out on him for the Suns. I think that there is potentially a scenario for him where he could find a team where he could be more, more effective. But I do think that when you're a contender, you know, as the Suns are trying to be, it's really difficult to be a player that is a power forward who is like a pick and roll power forward who can't play center and it does not really play great defense because once you get into the playoffs, you need somebody like John Collins to guard really good players. And first of all, that's going to be really tough. But the other side of that is the Suns have DeAndre Ayton as currently constructed. And that means that those two guys are going to try to eat in the same place on the floor. And for the sense, it just doesn't really work. And like you said, if he could shoot a lot better, that'd be another thing. If he's an excellent defender, I think you can get away with not having the floor spacing and find ways to use him differently to score. But I think there's a scenario with John Collins where if he was on the Suns, he could score 20 to 25 points a night and the Suns would be worse. And maybe that's hard for uh, some people to believe, but I, I do kind of feel that way well, about him. It, it shouldn't be that hard to believe for fans of the team that employed Amari Stoudemire for 10 years straight. You know, like John yeah. Collins is, he's a very watered down version. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to di disrespect Amari's name, but Amari play, could play center. Like uh, pretty effectively. I mean, yes, defensively. Yeah, I mean, was he, tough. Yeah, he blocked him Duncan once in the playoffs. I saw it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, like John Collins is like he's kind of drawn that Amari comparison for a long time, just in terms of like arch. That's not a word, but like yeah. in in terms of archetypes, that's kind of who he is. Um, and yeah, it's just like you can see how teams like that would be really, really, really good on offense and worse on defense, and ultimately, where is that going to get you? I think the Suns as a team might be worse on offense too, though, than comparing to just having Cameron Johnson in then, that starting. Then if they just had Cam the team works better, right? I as a team. I agree with that. Compared to the team that they are right now on offense. <laughs> yeah. With that's some, true. Without Cam Johnson, yeah. they would be much, much better. But Yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a good point. And you know, it is a scenario too with John Collins where Maybe it is the case, you know, like you said, that a new situation, a new scenario with him will bring out the stuff that's missing right now. Um, but when you're when you're a team that's in the position that the Suns are in, it's hard to take that gamble. I think if you're a team like, I mean, the Kings, for example, or even the Jazz is another team that we talked about where they're still sort of thinking, is this real? Are we actually good? Or are we going to be good this season? Is this real? You know, or maybe even a team like, Charlotte, where you just need an infusion of an, another type of player that can play relatively well. Take that risk. There's not a lot that you're going to lose from it. I think for the Suns, you lose a little bit more if that doesn't work out, not to mention the huge salary attached to him at the end of that. Um, I know that's all this to say that the Suns appear to not be interested in him. And I think that's probably, I guess we're both agreeing that that's probably the right choice. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a high likelihood of this happening, and I'm not worried about it either way. Bottom line. Yeah.
And this one's for you. No jokes. How interested are you in Julius Randle at this point? Like, how many fucking times do I have to say it? <laughs> You're still really in. I'm in. I don't <laughs> care how he played tonight. Why should I care? No, but really, um, why, I'm, I'm should, why should I? I'm why should out. I care? I think I think you know people have been saying he's really bad. Dude, I haven't watched enough of the Knicks to really know. People have been really saying his defense has been bad this year. I've seen the lowlights. They're really bad. Knicks fans are also really dramatic. Everything you see it's from true. Knicks fans, it's you true. have to you have to like kind of pull back four or five layers from it. Yeah. As opposed to Suns fans who are always level-headed. Yeah. I mean, we're really good at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but but seriously, Knicks fans, I love them. I at least like them. I don't know if I love them. <laughs> They're I like some of the guys who cover the team. Absolutely. They they, they have actually some pretty good media. But they're very dramatic. <laughs> it's really hard to it's really hard to try to be a star player in New York, and maybe Julius just needs some lights that aren't so bright. And I know they wouldn't be. I know we're competing for a championship over here, so like they might feel bright to us. But trust me, compared to what's going on in New York, this is nothing. This is this. Nothing. Uh, this was the first week in the Jay Crowder saga. Where I thought, are, are we actually close to a trade here? As the week comes to an end, as this next week starts, not really sure that we are. I'll be honest, I'm not sure that we are. I, you know, there was credible rumblings <laughs> that a trade was close, but that appears to not be the case right now. If something does happen in the near future, We'll be ready, right, Sam? We'll be ready to talk about that. Oh, I suppose um, we will. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, once again, two important dates to remember. December 15th, a lot of players who were recently signed can be traded December 15th. Just want to point out, it's not that far away at this point. Yeah, maybe it's like 10, 12 games away <laughs> if we're talking about from a Suns calendar perspective. But look, November's coming to an end pretty I soon here. And December 15th is not that far away. And for the Suns to wait wouldn't be a huge surprise to me. But if they can find a deal that makes sense for them, they should just pull the trigger. Um, the other date, January 15th, certain other players can be traded that day. I know some Suns fans are thinking about one in player in particular in DeAndre Ayton. Um, that's not why I bring up that date. There's other players besides him that become available to be traded that day as well. Another thing I've been thinking about, like Cam Johnson has been out for two full weeks now. Yeah. We're not that far away, yeah. We could kind of wait it out. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily he, he play recommend Christmas it. Day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he could be back by the new year. And that's not yeah. me saying anything based on inside information. It's just based on the general four to six week timeline that we heard. He could be back by the new year. It's yeah. not that far away. Uh, let's just quickly mention the games that are coming up this week. Lakers, who have won two in a row, I think, right now, as of recording this. Um, Tuesday on TNT, can the Suns keep the streak alive against the Lakers? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers have yet to beat the Suns since they faced each other in the playoffs. LeBron James, currently injured, could be playing as early as Tuesday. Uh, we'll see if he ends up playing that game. They've been pretty bad this year. Looking forward to that game, Sam? Absolutely. Uh, that's like becoming some sort of Greek tragedy tale at this point. The amount of games that the Lakers have lost in a row. The tale of Andre Drummond, I think we'll call it if you will. The fact that he, it was him, right? He was the one who yeah. was uh, in that picture mimicking LeBron in the back down on yep. Jay Crowder. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just feels like such a classically tragic tale uh, of, of, of hubris that Andre Drummond would do that and then his punishment from the basketball gods would be that the Los Angeles Lakers would never win a basketball game again against this <laughs> team. So we'll put that to the test. That should be fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Pistons on Friday. Uh, you know, the Suns could get an easy win against them. The Pistons have not been great, but who knows? They've been... The Suns have actually played... I would say the Suns have played well against good teams and then played kind of bad against bad teams at times. So... Uh, we'll see what ends up happening in the Pistons game. And then there's a rematch against the Jazz. Uh, these Both these games, Pistons and Jazz, no, um, are coming after Thanksgiving. No Cade for the Pistons game now, right? Didn't he just go down? 
Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, that is so. Right. That's that sucks for them. Speaking of recent injuries, Damian Lillard too is going to be out. Uh, yeah, for a, little bit, a little bit. Yeah, and they've been playing really well. So it's going to be interesting. It's nice to see. We talked about it. We're always a little bit worried with Devin Booker carrying the load that he's been carrying. It was nice to see him play a game where he played, I think, less than 30 minutes for the first time in a long time, and hopefully he can remain healthy. We don't have a playback game currently scheduled, uh, but if we change that, we will let you know. We'd like to do one this week. Uh, Thanksgiving, of course, is coming up. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone listening to this. If you'd like to join us on our playback, you can join us at any time. I'm sorry, Patreon. You can join us at any time, patreon.com slash the timeline, extra episodes every week, and access to our Discord. Uh, got anything else for the people, Sam? Just to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you are international, uh, I guess don't. Um, but <laughs> be be grateful. Have a bad Thanksgiving. Be grateful for something, you ungrateful Australian fucks, or wherever you're listening from. So thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.